It's another Tuesday evening on 97.3 City FM and we are ready for a technology conversation. I mean, I know I am. I don't know about you, but today we have such a strong panel. It's going to be a great show. My name is Philip Sean. Once again, you're welcome to City Trends. On the show today, we are going to review the first quarter of the year in tech. I have three strong ladies who will be joining me for this particular conversation. We'll have the various segments that we have on the show as well later on um, with Jeffrey Riku Sapong, with Mr. Entry, and of course with Helen. And um, you can join the conversation with your thoughts about some of the biggest technology stories that came your way over the course of the first quarter. Was it COVID-related? Was it non-COVID-related? Whichever one it is, please let us know. 0549-986-996. is our WhatsApp number. You can just send through your messages. Alternatively, you can reach us on Twitter using the hashtag C-I-T-I-T-R-E-N-D-S. That is City Trends, C-I-T-I-T-R-E-N-D-S. All right, so it's about time for us to get into the review. And if you're ready, let's go. Well, quarter one has been very eventful. It has been one COVID story to another, to a phone release here and a phone release there and a rumor here and a rumor there. But tech has come through and done a pretty good job. It's held its head high over the course of quarter one. But there are some stories that we may have missed on this show. There are some stories that, you know, could have happened that we had no idea of. And so that is why we bring the ladies into the house to basically tell us some of the tech stories or the tech happenings within the ecosystem, whether in Ghana, in Africa, or around the world, that caught their attention. Um, and um, we have a conversation about it. Um, this, of course, is made possible by um, the efforts of Lady Omega Hammond, who puts this panel together every quarter. A big shout out to her. And today we have um, three ladies joining us. We have Kairos Kumoji, who is a JavaScript tutor um, with Code codevit um, we have audrey menge who is a data scientist in training and we have nane if you are if we are benyao um, who's an advocate for women in tech i believe um the ladies have joined us um ladies good evening and thank you so much for joining us on the show good evening Philip. thank you okay so um <laughs> thank you Philip. thank caris caris are you there yes i'm yeah. here brilliant audrey thank you very much for having me philip Brilliant. And Anaifua as well, I'm guessing, is also here. Well, um, who wants to go first? 
Well, okay, yeah, Audrey, 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 your, your name starts with A, so I'm guessing we'll start with you, and then we'll come to Kairos and then to Nanefa. Nanefa has an N, so she'll be the very last. So, um, Audrey, what is what is the one thing um, that, you know, basically stuck out for you in quarter one um, with regards to the tech scene? Uh, um, thank you for having me, and thank you for the mission. The big trend that I found with the remote... Um, remote activity you see most of the most of the students have now been moved to the internet and actually it's something very nice because most of these events i'll take one of them microsoft Field, which is really one of the biggest events uh, organized by microsoft and it was 2000 and plus um, Audrey, um, we are having a bit of a difficulty hearing you. If you could kindly reposition your um, yourself, probably. I think there is a problem with the internet um, connection. It's kind of difficult to hear you. We, we, we lose you at certain points. I don't know if you would... So basically, you're talking about the tech events that were moved online and interaction that happened there. Of, was that the point you were making? Yes. Like, there is... No, it's 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 a little difficult oh to hear God. you. Yes, I know, unfortunately. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll come back to you if we can just check out your internet connection. I'm sure we'll be fine. So, Karis, sure. um, Karis, sure, if 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 we can if we can come to you now, Karis, um, from your end uh, as well, what was you know what were some of the things that stuck out for you, um, with regards um the first quarter in tech? Okay, thank you very much, Philip. So, um. I think we all didn't expect um, everyone everywhere to go on lockdown. So it was, it was unexpected. It was a big blow for everybody. And we all had to stay home and begin to understand. So then, um, like I was saying, we didn't expect to go on lockdown. And we realized that we all had to figure out what working from the house looked like. In fact, some people had to wear laid off. And then one thing that stood out to me was... Um, the way people began to, you know, um, um, take initiative when it comes to delivering results, even though they were away from their usual comfort zones of how they're, they're used to working. So then they began to adopt maybe calls. So then you realize that the, the really like huge thing was people going to um, using a tool called Zoom, for example. So right now, Zoom is like one of the biggest um, tools you, you'd find when it comes to um, it is how to like when you're calling people from you could meet there you could have meetings for even a screen for 40 minutes you could, you could go on the um, the premium version and things like that so you realize that people that did not even understand how to use some um, technical tools began to learn and adapt just because of the necessity that um, the whole pandemic brought and we no one saw this coming so then currently um, the CEO of um, Zoom is called Eric Yuan and Right now, Zoom is worth $4 billion. They just were able to do that in the span of three months. So you're, you're looking at a lot of things that are happening in the span of three months. Things are changing. So right now, it makes companies really question um, how, they, how their delivery is, how efficient they are. doesn't mean that going to sit at one place or be in a traditional setting before they can actually yield results. How can they still make money without having to be in the confinement of a building? So then it puts across a lot of questions. So that's one thing I um, saw. 
but for you what 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 does that mean locally though um do you find that companies are sort of rethinking how they approach even in terms of structure and form um in terms of their relations with their their employees are we do you do you reckon that we're going to see more and more people working remotely um you know yes Yes, I think I think it's I think that it was something that was coming, but because of the pandemic, it's kind of pushed it even you know closer to us. Locally, you know, we're not really we're used to digital, but then we think it's something that is maybe in the next five, ten years. Right now, we see there's actually a necessity. So I think that it's getting to a time where we would actually adopt remote work. People would begin to work from the house, and it will be actually normal. People will be paid and compensated because then you're looking at. Um, commuting costs, you're looking at um, um, health costs. There are so many things that you want to look at when somebody actually travels from their house to an office building just to, you know, deliver on something. When they could actually do all those things from the house. If they have to go for a meeting, they can do that. They don't even have to go and meet the person. They could do it on Zoom and do everything they need to do. So then I think locally, um, companies are beginning to understand that um, the future of work is actually in digital. You need to adopt digital tools. You need to adopt the thought. Uh, because right now, people are actually losing money just because they cannot be at one place. And that is a very serious problem. If you are a company currently, you're a local company, and you cannot make money efficiently um, by being in the house, then you need to really sit down and really think, how does your business model actually work? You know, so it's in this, I can just completely tell me it's digital transformation, and it's here. So we cannot look forward and say that, oh, it's going to be in the next two, three months or three years. It's currently, it's happening right now. And we need to adapt. Otherwise, businesses would just um, go out of business or maybe they'll just probably die. Yeah. How much, how, how much of this really affected technology companies as well? Because a lot of people just feel that, you know, it was just a brick and mortar, you know, like the banks and things like that might be affected. How many of, how much of this affected technology companies as well, especially locally? Um, when you say technology companies, can you be more specific? Like um, tech entrepreneurs, startups, and things like that. Were they really impacted by the COVID in terms of how it affects you know, their models, how their revenue models were impacted and things like that? Or you just feel for them it was more or less them finding an opportunity and taking advantage of it? Okay, so then I think, I think that in a way, maybe it might affect them just because they cannot have the joy of being together. But I think the tech companies may be, have um, an advantage because then they are, um, the terrain they work in is purely digital. So, for example, I'm in that tech space. Um, and so then we, we do um, websites for people, we train people. So the funny thing is that we're training people to learn programming languages for a period of time. Now, COVID-19 hits us, and we cannot do anything about it. So right now, we have to hold all forms of physical meetings and then put all our courses online for people to be able to absorb that. Now, we've given them that same timeline that, okay, if you're going to learn for this particular time period, these are the courses. We're not able to put them up as fast, but then we give them a timeline. Okay, at the end of every day of this particular time, expect the course to be up, and they go up. We have to adopt the community where they could ask questions we could look at their courses, look at their work that they're doing, rate and veto it, and then, you know, go over. So then it got points where we realized that actually this, this is actually easier than actually, um, you know, coming back and forth to the office all the time. Even though there was already an online option for COVID-19, it just made it better 
to just fully adopt an online you know option and i think it's convenient for most people because then they can learn at their own pace they don't they're not pressured into you know coming to sit you know Ghanaians, we like it when the teacher is in front of us and then teaching us you know feel like we are really absorbing things but Absolutely. we are not in that space any longer mm. yeah mm. Mm. well Karis, thank you we'll be back for um some of the other things that you noticed Nanefwa, um what about you um any observations any trends that caught your attention Thank you very much, Philip, and um, thank you very much to my listeners who are also listening right now. Um, so basically, I think that um, Karis and Audrey have mentioned most of the things that happened, and I actually get in support with what they are talking about. But one thing that I personally also saw during this uh, first quarter is about live streaming. As... Um, how do we call it? Karis said earlier on. So according to um, Stream Elements and also um, Asana.gg, um, live streaming sector grew a full 45 percentage wise between March and April. And the industry currently is 99% now. So meaning that when you look at before COVID-19, when we used to attend social gatherings such as churches, funerals, cinema going for lectures you know all of these things due to the COVID-19 we have to transform our way of doing things or adapt new tools channels of doing things currently we have churches um how do we call it streaming their church service during Sundays we have um the entertainment industry we have artists having their shows online Currently, we have DJs um, having their shows online to us. Also, it means that basically now uh, we used to talk that um, the future of technology is is far, but currently we are living in the future right now. So yeah, that's one thing that I have I have seen during the first part of the. I see. I see. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Let's let's try and see if we can connect once again um, to. Um, Audrey, Audrey, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you. It's a, it's a little better. So um, on the point that you were raising about um, what you noticed with events, events organization, being moved online and interaction uh, um, over there as well, if you could just um, expand on that for us, please. Yes. Uh, actually, because we are all... Uh, can you hear me now? Yes, uh, yes, we can hear you now. So um, most of the events are now online, held online, and it's actually not that bad because some events that were closed out are open to the public. And I'll take one example, Microsoft Build. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. Yes, we have. But if you're a developer, you are, if you're a developer and you're interested in Microsoft product, you might check it out. Uh, the attendance used to be 1,000 and plus for developers. And um, now it's open to everyone. And it, it, it's not open to developers only. So anybody from any background can connect, learn, share. So it's true that it's been tough this first quarter because it's something totally new to all of us. But it's also great to see how we can adapt so fast to something that just 
came through just like that. So I am pretty sure that there is a lot more good to get out of this situation. And yes, tech will play a major role in this. I see pe- people have talked about how m- how much has been taken out of those events though you know the, in terms of the interaction in terms of the wow factor in terms of for example um things like product reviews we saw apple releasing a couple of um devices um a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago but then all of that had to be done online where um product videos were just put out and then you know some people just come and talk about it do, do you think that it has taken something away Yes, it might be easier to organize because, you know, you're basically in control of everything and you choose to go at your own pace. But do you do you feel that it has taken something away from those events? Sure, because um, you see, it's it's difficult. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's difficult to connect with people you can't see physically. So it's true that... Um, it's true that it's, it, uh, it's new, but we have to adapt. There is nothing we can do about it. And it's going to change us, and it's here to stay, and we don't really know how long it's going to take before we come back to normal. It took away a lot of um, interaction. It's away, um, how will I say, uh, 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 the sense of uh, connecting easier if i have to say but we shouldn't just focus on that even though it took a lot away it's also bringing in a lot because uh, things that were just like i mentioned things that were costly are now open are now free a lot of like classes are going free uh recently uh how do you um through our site organize a free month of high content courses free for everyone learn and get tested on their skills. So it's true. It takes away a lot and it's difficult because the way we are interacting is very complicated. But we can adapt and focus on how to make them, how to adapt to that change because we don't actually know when things are getting back to where they used to be. Okay. Okay. Well, Karis, I'm coming to you for the second round of thoughts about some of the things that you um, noticed. Um, was there anything regarding, for example, the importance of data or anything else that um, caught your attention in quarter one? Okay. So then um, we all know how important um, social media is currently. Before, we, we thought that social media was about to you know, disrupts the traditional way of doing things, but we actually realized after a while that it was actually bridging the gap. Um, we, we're on social media a lot, and there's so many people talking on social media at a particular point in time. There are businesses on there as well, but then no one really knows what to do with that information. As a business, you go online and then you want to, you know, share and let people see all those things, but there's so much more to just putting up your, um, your, um, your business item online and that somebody actually sees and purchases it. You want to be able to grow an audience. You want people to be able to see you. You want to stand out and have an identity. So then in this age that we are, we realize that this kind of transformation that before we just sit in a shop and the people will have to pass by. If they see you, fine, they don't see you. That means that you won't sell for the day. But right now, you can be almost everywhere and still be offline as well. And it bridges the gap. You know, people can find you without having to 
come in, you know, see where you are and all those things. So then you realize that this transformation would not just affect, uh, it can affect your business model, it can affect um, um, your customer experience. That's one big thing because then right now you realize that you're going to communicate with your audience virtually. That doesn't mean that you're not human beings. One thing that most people do is that they think that when you're on social media, the people that you're talking to are kind of robots, but then they are also human beings just like us. They are the ones that are navigating the internet all the time. So all this data, you want to be able to siphon and pull this data and actually grow the data. Now, when you're able to grow that data, you're able to predict it. Now, a necessary tool, not to sound too techy, but a necessary tool is, the, is that people need to understand the importance of uh, managing data. People have data at their disposal and you don't know what to do with it. Unfortunately, some people do not even have any data at all and have to grow it. Either way, you need to be able to manipulate data to suit your business. And there are so many ways of doing that. You don't have to be a developer, but then you can learn um, Python, for example, to be able to understand data, mine data, manipulate data, predict outcomes, and then use them. This, those things are a bit turkey, but then if you want, if you're looking at the future of your business and you care about the future of your business and what it can become on a digital scale, you'd realize that it's not enough to... Um, still stick or hold on to a traditional way of doing things. You have to be able to take, you know, the bull by its horns. And, and because then you, you're going to want, right now you, your business is going to can have the opportunity to be on a global scale without you even not realizing it. Because then if you have that information, people from far and near would hear about what you're doing and would still come to you. So then you have the opportunity, you have the power of reaching a lot of people if you look at it critically. So that's like, it's, it's very powerful, but people do not really understand that. So all they do is just put it in ways, but then there's so much more to doing things. Mm. And then you can use tools as well. But, um, you can use email marketing tools and things like that. During the COVID period, which basically yes. um, like consumed all of us in quarter one, do you think there could have been things that we could have done better with regards tracking, for example, and, and things like that? And also, are there any... Um, examples around the world um, about people using data differently or collecting data differently and implementing um, solutions differently with regards to the way they went about the collection of data? Okay. So um, um, bringing it down to Ghana, okay, um, we, we, we see the cases on social media. We see small ads here and there and things like that. Of course, it could be better. Um, one example that I would like to cite, remember, I don't know if you remember, there was a, when the first case in the northern region came, it was about a man that came from the States, I think a UK or something like that. And he traveled to the northern region and he was the first case. I don't know if you remember that right, case. Right. Yeah. Now, this man apparently faked public transports. You see. Now, if you pay public transports, they need to chase all these people who you may have sat in the same bus with. And there is no data connecting that man to everyone else who's just in the car with. But then, you know, we are in Ghana, and we, when it comes to the transportation system, we do not operate in a space where we could track everything. So the only thing we can do is, okay, just space out and things like that. But if, there, if only there were some form of data, there was some form of organization with things like that, maybe it would have been better. Is my, my thoughts. I mean, we are doing so well as a country. I wouldn't. I won't dispute that we are doing so well as a country. But we could do more. We we could we could you know siphon the data. We could mine it. We could we could do better things. And 
people can begin to build businesses off of the fact that we have a strong and robust um, database of things. So then you're not just, you don't just have the data in isolation, you have actually segmented everything and you have it in accordance to what you want it to do for you and things like that. Right. And so mm. bringing us back to examples yeah. of um, companies that are doing things in terms of tracking the coronavirus, for example, I just realized that um, currently um, Google and Apple have actually partnered to um, come up with a tracker, okay, a COVID-19 tracker. And this is actually a huge step forward because then now they're going to use something called the Bluetooth Low Energy. And then, so then your Bluetooth that you have on your phones is going to kind of contact trace people. So if somebody has been near you, you know how you have, you know, with the iPhones, you have your Bluetooth, you can airdrop things and things like that. Now, if you have, if somebody has been near you for a period of time, it has data. It, you know, it can tell you the person that was near you right now actually had the virus or has been infected. So then it gives you information on who that person is. But then this is even voluntary. You have to decide to input your data and key in some information. And so this is something that they're actually working on. And so when you look at all these things that pull it, and this is done not in isolation. This is done with artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence can only come about if you have data. So it brings us back to the real importance of having data. No matter how scattered or raw it is, it can always be, you know, um, um, refined into something that is useful in the future. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you. Thank you for that submission there. Um, we'll be coming to you for your very final thoughts. Um, Nanifwa, if you can hear me, um, the floor is yours. Any other um, interesting things in quarter one that caught your attention within the tech space? Yes, Philip. Um, digital payments. What, what exactly digital about payments. it? Okay, so, you know, back then, let me say um, two decades or three decades ago, before I was born, normally our parents would go to the bank, join a stretch of um, line or a queue to just, you know, transact money from one end to the other. Sometimes when you get there, you know, the stress that you need to pass through, even sometimes when you go to the market to go and buy stuffs and you pay money there, um, let me say, Kaya, Kaya, your woman will tell you that, um, and you know, that's one alone also adapts to the stress. But now, looking at um, the fourth industrial area, looking at what is coming up right now, people have built up um, um, digital devices whereby, or digital platforms whereby you can easily transact money from your end to another. So let's assume that uh, in an info that I'm here right now, I want to send money to you, Philip. I can easily momo you or any bank that I'm banking with. I can do a digital transfer to, to your bank accounts. So this is the phase we've got into. One thing that I also found interesting under the digital payments is how now people are looking at um, another way of transforming this phase by coming up with... Um, I saw something about QR code payment system whereby you can instead of even doing the mobile money or let me say you meet a, a merchant you buy something and you want to pay instead of using physical cash you just scan the merchant how do we call it QR code payment system and bruh, money is being sent to him or her so that's basically one thing that i also found very very interesting 
during the quarter of this year, first quarter of the year. Did, did you, however, find that people were still interested in dealing with cash? Like there are some places that just that are just not going to bug down, are still sticking with cash payments. Did you, did you notice some of that, um, you know, within quarter one? Yes, 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 I did. I did. Surely I did. Um, I remember a situation whereby um, I find myself... Um, in a, in a rural community, right, whereby I was buying something over there and I said, okay, madam, please, can I pay with Momo? And I'll say, oh, this Momo thing, I mean, I don't trust it to extra, extra, so just give me physical cash and I'll be okay with it. But back then I had to, you know, explain the benefits of she uses, she using mobile money or she accepting payment through mobile money and other payment channels and based on the education that I gave her, these um, um, new, um, how do we call it, new platforms or new digital payment streams, she was happy to try it the next time around, yeah. Wow, wow, at least you have you have a testimony of transforming someone into a more digital uh, lifestyle. Well, let, let's, let's go for the last round of thoughts from our, our panel members, and um, we're going to start off this round with Audrey. Audrey, the floor is yours. Hi. Uh, yes. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm actually happy to be here because I can learn a lot. Thank you to Nanefa and Tari. Yes. So there is another trend I want to talk about. It's, um, it's amazing how people can actually be innovative in these days. And this is all due to the way people can adapt to sudden change. And one of, uh, one of the interesting things that I found was a, a mask, face mask that you could actually, that could actually uh, help you in unlocking your device without removing it. And it, it's from a company in China. And yes, it, it just shows how far we can go and how far we can stay strong, no matter what is happening around us. And it's really a good lesson. We can actually learn a lot because businesses still have to go on. We still have to find a way to live in this world, even though the pandemic is all over. And innovation is going to help us. We really happy that technology is playing a major role. I see. So wait, so this particular company has developed a way by which you can unlock your devices even if you have your mask on? Yes. It's actually a, a facial mask, but it's transparent. And it can actually clean itself too. And uh, yes, it, it's amazing because you see, you will have to, uh, most of the, the, the countries are actually uh, putting uh, measures in place for people to not uh, 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 walk around without their mask. Even in Ghana here, it's compulsory to have a mask. But how do you actually live with it? Some people for security measures, you want to save, you want to make sure your devices are secure and you go the extra mile. And one of these extra miles is actually uh, facial recognition. Your face is your face. It's only one face. And no matter what's going on, it sh you shouldn't 
not be able to do that. And people are actually thinking about solving these problems. And it, it's really amazing. Wow, Audrey, um, thank you, thank you, thank you for 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 that one. Let Let's take um, uh, Karis's final trend that um, caught our attention. Karis, the floor is yours. Okay, thank you very much, Philip. Um, so then, um, one thing I also discovered was the fact that people um, got the interest of actually developing themselves more during this period. Everyone was asking. People were tweeting and saying. Hey, I'm looking for a course to take. Can I get a free course on this or that? You know, people were trying to find ways and means of developing themselves because then it created the whole pandemic created an air space where people found that, oh, actually, even though I've been working here and here, I can actually sit down and develop myself. I can get the time to learn something new. So that when I go back to my workplace, I can have some form of relevance. So then people know, some people know that they need to improve on their relevance. They can see it coming. They just probably do not understand what that looks like or what direction they have to take. So then, I mean, people can decide to learn whatever they want to learn. But then some folks who also realize that, okay, I want to improve on, say, sales and marketing. Or I want to improve on developing. You know, I want to learn how to code. I want to learn how to do, you know, A, B, and C. I see a lot of people that want to learn how to code during this period. It's 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 even alarming. I can say people want to learn how to code so badly right now. Locals like Ghanaians, everybody really wants to learn how to code right now, and it's it will shock you how many people have actually signed on to uh, online courses and other, you know, asking for recommendations and things. And then they sometimes they even bug you and be like, the next course, you know. When is it coming up? We want more and things like that. So people are hungry to develop themselves. They can see the change coming and they want to adapt because I see that if they do not adapt, that, that can be, you know, a detriment to the area. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's let's hear now from Nanifwa. Nanifwa, your uh, final trend that um, caught your eye in quarter one, please. The final trend that caught my eyes was... Um, productivity tools, I must be honest. Um, interestingly, um, I was doing, I was working with someone and I remember um, she telling me that, you know, if not for COVID-19, I wouldn't have even heard of Zoom before. I wouldn't have even heard of Asana before. I wouldn't have even heard of Slack before. And I was like, oh, okay. So I had to come back and also educate, once again, educate her on, okay, the functionalities of, um, um, let me see, let me use Slack, for instance, the functionalities of Slack, uh, Slack, use Slack, and also its benefit to you as an individual, and also its benefit to your organization or the company that you're working with. So during this COVID-19, I realized that people were more active on using, um, how do we call it, Slack to, to track whatever that they are doing, to track the work that they are doing. People were actively using Google Calendar to, you know, make sure that they are on time and they don't uh, miss schedules and etc. People were actively using um, Asana to also project um, the, the tags that they have for their employees. In an organization and that actually 
made me feel like, okay, it means that people can easily adapt to change once we, uh, they find themselves in it. So that that was it that was the last thing that caught my attention during during this period yeah interesting interesting well thank you ladies now it's um we have a um, a couple of comments and then i also have some things to ask you so um please indulge me we have a comment from dominic from lego he says hi phil and the panelists great discussion going on concerning data that was being discussed anytime i pick an stc bus to kumasi they take my contact and next of kin in next of kin in case of an emergency so i think if the other intercity services are compelled by law to do the same the contact tracing bit can be managed better this could also be done for our local trotters and taxis once the mode of payment is electronic there is a trace um, to an identity i don't know if any of you have um, a thought about this, um, Audrey, uh, or Audrey, would you have a thought about this? Or Karis, Karis, you're on the floor, so please go ahead. Okay, so then I, I, I agree with him. I just feel like it could be better because then um, you see that, like he's saying, they take his number, they ask him for the number of the next of kin that they call. But then I'm even sure that even this number they are taking, they're probably writing it down in some book somewhere. That could have been, you know, written somewhere digitally. It can be stored in a database, something that they can always go back to because then people travel to and fro. You don't always have to come back to take that same person's details over and over again. What if the person commutes to Kumase every Friday, for example? Then does it mean that every time the person travels to Kumase, you have to come back again and take that person's details over and over again? What does that process look like? And what, how, what are you going to do to automate that process? So then it brings us back to, you know, better, you know, better systems and things like that. So I totally agree with him. He has a very valid point on um, how we can improve on all these things, including um, even natural trust. And all of these things can build if we even have an accumulation of data. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, Audrey, you, you had a thought to share about this particular um, input from our listener, Dominic. I see. 
I see. Well, we we one of the things that came up over the course of the period, um, the first quarter was this continuous argument about um, the five G and you know how it's being caused by Corona or COVID nineteen and everything else. And I was just wondering, Nanefwa, um, I don't know if you know you came across some of these rumors and generally what you thought about that. It, it became a big issue. Masts were being burnt down and things like that. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Thank you very much, Philip. Um, I must say, I wish I, I, I was able to follow this trend when it was ongoing. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't hear about it. Unfortunately, well, I mean, it was, it was, it was one of those things that came through. But I don't know, Karis or um, Audrey, any of you followed this particular trend? Um, have uh, thoughts to share about? Yes, it? yes, I think there were a lot of speculations. Even there were some religious speculations, mm. you know, out there. People were saying a lot of things back and forth. But I mean, like, I think that everyone knows. We've seen stories. We've watched movies of the future of things, you know, um, electronic cars, the Teslas, you know, all these nice things that we see in the movies as if it's so far into the future, but then it's actually here. And right now, the 5G, they want to enable all these things and they cannot build all these things on the same bandwidth of 3Gs and 4G. Right now, we need to move further. And in order for them to build those really nice, seamless things that we are looking into the future for, we have to increase the bandwidth. We need to understand that look 5g is here to stay and it has nothing to do with coronavirus or you know the 666 like people were speculating and some other you know whole lots of things that we're doing i mean there was there was a lot of backlash and people people who didn't really understand you know what technology means or what 5g means of course would you know just absorb that information and say that hey this thing is about the end time and things like that but you know, sometimes too, we just need to understand that it's just a new technology. I mean, it's the same thing that happened back when we were about, when we were introducing the 3G um, um, 2, because there were lots of people who were saying lots of things. But then right now, I see no one has died. I mean, like, recent 3G, everyone is fine. In fact, you know, the simple that are not um, tech savvy, they are the ones that are actually holding the latest phones right now, the Pro Maxes and things. So, I mean, Right now, who are you? Who who are you going to blame? You see, and all of those things. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Um, Audrey, I I I also wanted to pick your thoughts about um, um, some of the work done by some of these companies and acquisitions. We've heard quite a number of them recently. I think Facebook um, buying Giphy, for example. I think it was um, sometime last week or this week or something we've also heard a number of you know collaborations for example one of the biggest things for me was how some of these other companies like google getting very um forceful with google meet integrating it into gmail and things like that and how COVID is forcing all these companies to to approach their business models a little differently and i i was just wondering if you you had some thoughts to share about some of these acquisitions and collaborations and product extensions for example from some of these technology companies thank you yes um i just believe that these companies are really really into what is trending and they understand that the change there is a certain change happening and who 
about. But I think that when change is here and you know you can't find society because the this pandemic is new and it's here, it's affecting everything, but life still has to go on. You still need to move your business forward. So if you uh, if you uh, if you you know that companies are going to need to move to the cloud to be able to uh, fight this pandemic because people will be staying home, they still have to meet, they still have to discuss their schedule, they still have to, to to share their thoughts, they still have to collaborate. Then you definitely innovate in that sense. So I think we should embrace the change. Just like Paris said, I mean, it's there. You, there is nothing that you can do about it. So what you can do, what you should do, is try to find a way to innovate and keep up with the business. So Google integrating Meet with Gmail. Well, a lot of people use Gmail. Most companies actually exchange through Gmail emails. So if you integrate Meet into it, and somebody can be able to have his meetings with his colleagues right from the email. Why not? It's just a change that is here. I think it's here to stay. I don't think we should fight it. And even if we have to fight, we should really consider that life has to move on, businesses have to move on, things can just stop moving on. And you have to adapt. And that's how it is. But first, you have to understand the change and make sure and know that it's here. It's not going anywhere. And we are, we just have one planet. We live in it. We do everything in it. So we might as well make it um, a pleasant place, no matter what's going on, no matter the pandemic, no matter what's going on. So yeah, I think we should adapt change. If your business needs to move to the cloud, move it to the cloud for collaboration, for security reasons, for so whatever it takes for you to keep your business moving on, just do what you have to do because life goes on. Just do what you have to do because life goes on. Well, with that, we'll have to draw the curtains down on that part of the conversation. I just would like to say a big thank you to all my guests, Nanifua Benyao. Um, Karis Kumoji and of course Audrey Menge. Um, thank you so much. And a big thank you as well to Lady Omega Hammond for putting this panel together. And as you know, every quarter we bring the ladies together to review the quarter. And I believe it's been um, a worthwhile conversation. Um, thank you, ladies, so much for making time to join us on the show today. We really appreciate your insights. Thank you too, Philip, for having us. Thank you, Philip. Well, it's now time for us to get into the um, the segment um, where we look at the apps, some of the apps, some of the interesting apps that we typically um, download on our phones or interact with from day to day. And Jeffrey Urekusapong is in the studio to share with us some of the one app i believe that has caught his attention uh good evening boss yeah i know everyone misses my true <laughs> voice yes indeed um so this evening we are bringing you an app called fast care now 
the fast is spelled very interestingly. It's P-H-A-R-S-T. It's not F-A-S-T. It's P-H-A-R-S-T. Fast care. So let's listen to the young man who built the app. Let him talk about it himself. My name is Theophilus Nutifafa, a level 300 student of the University of Ghana, studying economics in combination with the study of religions, and I develop apps uh, during my free time. The name of the app is Fast Care, which is spelled P-H-A-R-S-T-C-A-R-E. Okay, Fast Care is a progressive web application which means uh, it is available for all platforms not on app store or google play store but it is available at this link p h a r s t dot p y w e dot o r g fast dot dot org simple google search should um, get you the app so if you search on google for fast care you should be able to get the app so fast care holds two important services the first service is called fast care and then the second service is called eye care the fast care part of the app is a virtual pharmacy that enables you the user to be able to order for drugs uh, home care items um, anything that you can find in the pharmacy and then we get it delivered to you at your uh, at your end and then we try as much as possible to even deliver when f- physical pharmacies are closed so um, you can order at even all times of the day it has a very simple and intuitive user interface uh, it looks pretty much like a google search box where you just type and suggestions even pop up and then there's voice search available and then you get whatever you want you place your order and then uh, we get it delivered to you the second part which is i care spelled i c h a r e i care uh, is an anonymous chat platform where you the user has the opportunity to all the the privilege to talk to professional and peer counselors about anything you want to talk about the beautiful part is you don't know who you are talking to and the person doesn't know who they are talking to so um, there's no trust issues involved you don't have to worry about who knows your what you have to say Well, health tech is always a very interesting area to be playing around in. And it's it's nice to have um, people very much interested in health tech. Uh But, I mean, two-in-one solution. You have one that basically delivers uh, medicines and things like that to you. And then you have the other side where if you have some complications, you can easily just log in. I like the fact that it's more or less end-to-end encryption. And, And not just that, but, you know, you can talk to someone, a doctor, medical officer, You don't know who you're talking to, you know, them leaking your information or anything because they also don't know who you are are. and your details probably identified by a bunch of numbers or something like that. Uh I think, I think that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, um, the spelling once again is P H A R S T K C A R E fast care. All right. Fast care. P H A R S T 
space C A R E fast care all right so th- that is the mobile app for the week please check it out let's know what your thoughts are use it use it please use it these are Ghanaians who yeah. have put together a platform that you know basically allows you know medicines and health related material to be you know delivered to you and has a second part of the app which allows you to interact with a medical officer in case you should have a complication so i think i think it's pretty cool and jeffrey has had a look at it um it seems pretty steady but they can only get better if you if you use the platform so please check it out and then let's know um what your thoughts are about it but if you are still out there and you have an app that you want us to review on the show please get in touch with so um get in touch with me on twitter my handle is oj sapon o-j-s-a-r-p-o-n-g if it's not an app and you've used any of our apps and you want to share with me what you think let's talk you, you never know. I may even bring you on the show just to review an app. Just for us. to review an app for us. You never know. Fingers crossed. Well, thank you so much to Jeffrey. We jump now to your tech. Now, uh, your tech is the segment on the show where we hear from you. You tell us some of the issues that you're having with the technology that's around you, and we try to find the best solutions possible. Um, we feel this is the best um, way to go about it because, you know, sometimes you need to break down the problem just a bit so we can get you the best solution. So um, today, Ellen, Ellen will be bringing us um, that segment. This is her segment. So Ellen, please take it away. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. How is everyone doing? I hope everyone is fine and is healthy and is safe and is protecting themselves from the coronavirus. This week, I spoke to David and David says he has issues with his screen, the the screen of his phone and his battery as well. So we spoke and he said this. Right now, I've been getting problems with my phone. After making calls, my my screen just goes off, and I just can't see anything. And I also have some battery problems. When I charge the phone fully, within some few minutes, the battery just dies. So Charlie. After more conversations, I could see he seemed very frustrated about the issue. I think it's been bothering him for quite a while. But hopefully, we have something that could go a long way. To help him out so let's listen to what we have for him david your screen that goes off after you receive calls i suspect is an issue that's got to do with your proximity sensor it might be faulty or dirty so probably you can clean it it's usually located where you have your um uh, your front camera so clean the area very well and try it again and let's see if it doesn't work then probably the sensor itself is faulty so you need it repaired you also mentioned that your battery loses charge very quickly um if your battery is losing charge very quickly it means that the battery your battery health has fallen way below um, its useful threshold and needs to be replaced what is happening is that you did not um, give us an indication of whether your phone is old or new. If the phone is fairly new, then it's an issue with your power system. And that can also explain why your screen and other things behave erratically. And uh, if it's still under warranty, I'll suggest you take it back to where you purchased it from.
And with that, we end that particular segment. But then the final segment of the show is a trending segment. And Mr. Enchi is here with the details. Thank you, Philip. And I welcome you all to the week's biggest stories in the technology ecosystem. This week, I bring you stories from four industries. The social media industry, consumer electronics, e-commerce, and then the broadband industry. Let's start with the e-commerce industry. A Ghanaian startup, Kudigo, last week launched a new product called storefrontmall.com. This is a web platform that helps business owners create an online store in a matter of minutes. As we all know, COVID-19 pandemic is really forcing businesses to get online. And we know this platform is actually going to help businesses in their transition from the brick and mortar to an online store. To our second story of the week, let's look at the consumer electronics industry. It looks like the fight between Huawei and the U.S. government isn't ending anytime soon. The U.S. government has introduced a new rule which requires all global semiconductor makers that use U.S. technology and software in their chip design to seek approval from the U.S. government before they ship to Huawei. According to Huawei, this new rule will hurt its ability to serve and maintain its network services for billions of customers all around the world. Also, Huawei states that this will go far to damage the trust and collaboration between the semiconductor industry and could increase conflict and losses within this industry. Now, let's look at the social media industry. Facebook's much talked about Messenger Room is finally available to use globally. So Facebook has rolled out Messenger Room globally and the new feature is available to all Messenger users. You can now start a video conference with just a click in your Messenger app or on messenger.com. As you all know, this is a direct alternative to Zoom. Today we ask, will you use Messenger Room instead of Zoom? Let's hear from you. Still on Facebook, the company has acquired Giphy in a 400 million US dollar deal. Yes, 400 million US dollar. So Giphy, as you all know, is an animated GIF search engine. It means if you go on Giphy and you search for a GIF and you don't find it, it probably means that GIF doesn't exist yet. And that is where we draw the curtain down on the show today. It's been a fantastic show. Completely, totally loved it. Thank you so much to all my panel members, to Jeffrey, to Ellen, to Mr. Entry, and of course, to Daniel Kwashi for studio production. This is where we end the show. Um, the show will be available as a podcast tomorrow, so please look out for it. But until next week, do stay techy.